This is Joe Stein, and you're listening to Thoughts from Lean Forward Podcast. The guest today is Tony Holler. Tony is the track coach at Plainfield North. He's the founder of Feed the Cats and co-founder of Track and Football Consortium. Welcome, Coach Holler. Thanks for coming on. Glad to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I just admire how you're willing to think outside the box and go against the grain a little bit with your ideas and philosophies. I've been using Feed the Cats for several years, and I've seen very good results. Can you explain what Feed the Cats is all about and how it's different from other programs? <laughs> I, I, how, how much time do I have? <laughs> uh, we have probably about 35 minutes, but we don't have to use all okay. of it. Yeah, that's fine. I, I was just saying that I can talk for days about it, but uh, to, to really get to the central things, it is something I created 21 years ago because in my opinion, uh, track was a hard sell. That, that the best athletes, the kids that can dunk, the wide receivers, um, they really didn't want to run track. Uh, and the reason why they didn't want to run was because everybody's coaching like my coach coached me and how I continued to repeat his crap for my first 17 years in coaching. So I, I didn't change until age 40. And um, basically the way that almost everyone coached high school track and many, many, many still do is they focus on the 400 and they believe that speed is God given. And so they don't focus on speed. Instead they focus on the toughness and conditioning of the 400 and they run kids 10 200s in practice or eight 300s or you know, some ungodly type stuff. And the real cats of the world, the fast twitch, high performance athletes rebel when that happens. So I created a program where we did not run anymore. It sounds weird. We, we just stopped running. We sprinted and we sprinted in small doses, spiked up, timed, recorded, ranked and published three times a week. And on our non-sprint days, we did X factor, which is mostly explosive, jumpy, strength, hip mobility type stuff, wickets. And we basically just stopped doing any type of sub max training whatsoever. And we got, first of all, I succeeded in getting those great athletes out for my team because they love that program. And then secondly, we became really, really good, not just because we had the great athletes, but because we did such a pure focus on speed and power. We got really, really good at speed and power. And the counterintuitive part is that when you get really, really fast, you get really good at the 400 as well. You don't have to do all that endurance training that was once believed that you can be, if, if you can run 1060 in the 100, you're probably on the first day going around 48 in the 400. And if you continue to run it and meet, you'll probably go around 46. So, uh, so that's kind of the whole thing. And I always say that it's not just a low dose thing, but I'm ultra concerned with the happiness and healthiness of my sprinters. I want, I want practice to be the best part of their day. And that's something that 
I never thought about until I was 40. You know, practice wasn't supposed to be fun. Practice was supposed to be hard. And that's the way I was coached, and that's the way Clyde Hart coaches. And uh, I just kind of flipped the switch and got really different and got good results. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about speed reserve? I heard you kind of say that with the speed as it relates to the 400. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I coached a kid uh, uh, the last three years uh, named Marcellus Moore, who set the Illinois state record at the age of 15, running at 10.31. And he also ran 20.88. And if you can run, I, I, he reached a couple times in the four by one, he actually reached 25 miles an hour, which is mind blowing. And uh, if you can reach 25 miles an hour, uh, I, I believe that you can run 17 miles an hour for an entire lap because it feels so easy. And if, if you can run 17 miles per hour, you're going to run a, that's a 46 second 400. So the faster you are, the easier submax speeds are. So, uh, so that is what speed reserve means. Now, if you've never developed your speed, and let's say your top speed is 19 miles an hour. There is no way in hell you're going to run 17 miles an hour for an entire lap. That just never happens. So that's what speed reserve is. Yep. So you guys, you guys never run in practice, really. You only sprint and jump. You don't just do running for no reason. No Correct. Cool downs or, no cool downs or never. Uh, warm-up laps. Never a warm-up lap. Yep. You know, one of the things, Charlie Francis is one of the most famous sprint coaches of all times. Um, and he believed many of the same things I believe. He, he was a spike it up three times a week sprint coach. But he believed that in the off days where I do X-factor work, low dose X-factor work, uh, he did tempo running for recovery. And tempo running is, is kind of like running for you. It'd be kind of like running a 29 second 200 pace. Uh, it is, it's just kind of a easy, um, you know, not a jog, but, but it's, it's something where supposedly you would recover from the previous day sprinting by doing that, which makes no sense to me at all. So no, we don't do a warm up lap. We've never run more than 200 meters in practice ever. We never do a cool down. Uh, we, in the off season, we never do anything for more than six seconds ever. We don't do any type of conditioning, endurance. The word endurance is nowhere in my program. And the, the question always comes, uh, I've just done two webinars in the last two weeks uh, about the 400 meters. The question always comes, then how in the world do you get kids to run an entire lap if they never do it in practice? And the way we do that is by doing really quality runs that we call lactate workouts, where we might do three 200s with three to four minutes rest, spiked up and going hard. And the amount of poison that that builds up in your body is pretty substantial. You know, usually somebody throws up. I mean, we're not trying to get them to throw up, but at the very least, they are kind of dizzy and glassy eyed. And what happens is the body becomes biochemically tougher with just one of those workouts. And after two of those workouts, the body is, much, much tougher. It, it does not take an entire year of training that, that glycolytic system in order to get into shape to run the 400. Matter of fact, before our first meet, 
we will usually just do three lactate workouts. So we don't do them very often. And that's, that's probably the hardest thing we do. Well, definitely the hardest thing we do. Yeah. You can be lazy and just go jog around the uh, track, but it takes high performance to do those lactate workouts to run those hard spiked up. It does. It's, it's the, uh, it's, it's harder than any meat that we have. I think our kids take it just as serious as a meat. We really sell it, of course, that, that th this is what is going to be the key to us being able to run the 100, 200, and 400. And all the guys kind of know that, gee, if, if you've only trained in segments of five seconds uh, in the off season, there comes a time when you have to learn how to sprint farther. And that biochemical, because I'm a chemistry teacher and everything, I, I think that they buy in to when, I, when I'm talking about hydrogen ions and acidosis and blah, blah, blah. Um, they buy into what I'm saying because they, they know I, I know what I'm talking about. So, so the buy-in for those really hard workouts, even though they're cats, um, is very high. And we record, rank, and publish all the times from those workouts as well, which makes them really competitive. You want to talk a little bit about the CNS and how it relates to sprinting and the sport in general? A lot of times I, I, I spar a lot with weight room people. Uh, weight room people um, typically were slow. Um, they, they found joy and, and progress in a weight room. And therefore, they, they, they believe the weight room is the source of all athleticism. And I argue with them all the time that sprinting is not muscular. Uh, it's, it's elastic and it's electrical. Elastic and electrical. It is not muscular. Matter of fact, great sprinters like you or Marcellus do not use much energy when you're sprinting because you're so elastic. It's like these tight rubber bands are just bounding down the, the, the track. And the people who are muscular they get real slow at the end of the race because they're using so much energy pushing and pulling and pushing and pulling. So if, if, if sprinting is really electrical, that means the brain sends messages through the nerves to your muscle fibers. And the best way to train that to happen is by sprinting at high speeds, actually at speeds that you've never even achieved before. That's why every single time we sprint, we try to set a PR. Every time we sprint, we run with the wind. We, we love the, to teach the CNS things that's never done before. Now, a lot of people, this is kind of deep stuff and you'll like it. Um, it is not just the muscle contractions that allow us to sprint. It's also the muscle relaxation. And so the ability to fire quick and then shut down quick, a muscle, it's like, it's like on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off, cannot be practiced in a weight room. It cannot be practiced in a tempo run. Matter of fact, I would argue that tempo runs confuse that lightning fast on, off, on, off, on, off type of muscles. Um, and so that CNS is something that almost all sprint coaches will act like they worship the CNS. What I differ with is why in the world a sprint coach would go out and do the volumes that do not coincide with, with that type of activity. Yeah, I agree. Like the only way to train that is by sprinting truly. 
Uh, but I've seen a couple of cool things that Chris Corpus done or Cal Dietz has done with the token centrics or token tractions where they're, oh, yeah. you just cake something really fast or. Yeah, I think the, the, the one I remember, uh, uh, you're on your back. Yeah, and there's a band. Um, yeah. There's a band like through a, 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 a weight rack and you have your, your legs inside the two bands. Yeah, either way, I think. So it's like quads on, hamstrings off, and then hamstrings yes. on, quads yes. off. That's, yes. that, that's uh, unbelievable that, that you know Cal Dietz and Corfist yeah. and me and RPR. That, that, that just makes me feel so good that the work that we have done actually reaches out to the, the, uh, the plains of – you're in northwest yeah, Iowa? Yeah, northwest Iowa. Okaboji, Iowa, there's a famous lake where I live. Um, you can just Google that when we're done, probably. But yeah, you know, they're, they're, people aren't supposed to be fast out there. No. You, you know what I mean? And yeah, here you're I, running 10.6? Uh, 10.68 and 2186. But wow. uh, my dad was also a, more of a 10.9 guy when he was in high school and a 22 flat guy. Uh, he ran at Drake in okay. Iowa. But uh, we're we're kind of the only ones around here that care at all. So we're, we're kind of crazy where it's almost like it, no one, we're just different a little bit from everyone else about sprinting around here. And yeah, well, we stay different. Level. It's really important yeah. I, to, uh, to really work at, at being different because if you're just copying other people all the time, you never stumble on anything great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, stay different. Yeah. Well, uh, that's the thing about Feed the Cats. It's, it's not just a paper telling you what you have to do. It's a set of principles, kind of, and you can you follow the important things like sprinting two times a week, doing 10 flies or 20 flies or something, and then the X-Factor work, it's pretty up to your imagination with that yes. stuff. So there's room for you to tinker around with it, too. It's not just a hard black and white thing necessarily yes you you could do your x-factor workouts could be things that my team has never even thought of yeah. but as long as it's low dose um it, it's high intensity high performance it's bouncy it's low doses of strength training it's low dose you know if, if all those things happen and you never let that ruin the next day of sprinting then your x-factor is fine yeah, as long as it passes the eye test and yes, I like the. I was listening to something you said one time, and you asked uh, maybe like a scrawny freshman, "How would we do this if we had a jump rope?" And yeah, and he'd say, uh, "We spin that thing for five seconds until we get tired, or something like that." Yeah, till you slow down, you know, yeah. like like, but he would even yeah, like even my freshman that just barely know what we do they know that you would not jump rope for three minutes consecutive yeah. you could but you're not getting that's not that's not training your cns and we don't know that jump rope even helps sprinting but the only way it could help is if you did it that way and it probably does help the cns in some way 
I think jump rope is probably yeah. really good. I also use the uh, uh, example of an exercise bike, which I do not think would be valuable to a sprinter. But if that's all we had, how would we do it? We would spin that thing as fast as we could until we started to slow down. And then we'd get off and rest for a couple of minutes and get back on. Now, I don't think that makes you faster, but that won't make you slower at least. At least your CNS has to do something. Yeah. We kind of covered this a little bit, but you need to talk about the what the what most coaches they worship the grind and the grind mentality. Yes, it's 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 kind of the religion of athletics, um, and there, you know, athletics really took off right after World War II, and if you can imagine, you know, like a band of brothers type of experience in World War II where guys went through really hard stuff. But going through that really hard stuff created friendships that they will never forget. Like a band of brothers type thing is just unforgettable. So when that World War II generation came home, they started, they wanted their own boys to go through stuff that was really hard and band together with their teammates. And so no matter what sport it was, a part of that sport was kind of a crushing boot camp mentality um and and then this coming together as a team this general that you never questioned and and then you know 50 years later we have posters of worship the grind and no pain no gain and all so all this stuff has just perpetuated itself throughout athletics and the strange thing is in athletics i guess it's what you want out of it what I want out of it is high performance. And the only way to get high performance is happy and healthy athletes because kids, adults, doesn't matter, are really, really good at what they love. Like Nobody had to push the Beatles to put in 100,000 hours before their first hit album came out. Nobody pushed them into working that hard at their craft. They did it because they loved it. They would play eight hours a night sometimes. And that love of what you're doing has to be the first thing. It can't be posters about the grind. Because to me, what the grind means is this, that you have to do something that sucks. But by God, you're going to do it because you're an athlete and you're a man. And to me, that's a love problem. It's, it's, um, if you love what you're doing, you actually look forward to the workout. And I think that's a key concept of Feed the Cats. And it's, it's a key departure, as you say, from almost all sports thought in America. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about essentialism and, uh, and how it relates to track especially, but I know there's some examples about how it relates to other areas of life, whether it be studying for tests or uh, the, that story about the Dodgers. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the cage or basically it's essentialism is is going back and saying what stuff really helps us to achieve what we're trying to do. Like in, in as a sprinter, what is what are the things in practice that are meaningful and really contribute to high performance? And then you isolate those things and build on them. In my opinion, the typical two-hour track practice um, probably has 90 minutes of BS. I mean, like stuff that has 
that probably has a negative impact on on performance and and essentialism is all about and you say in your life itself essentialism is saying what parts of my life are really meaningful um and and trying to improve those things and trying you know like for example uh sitting around and and watching worthless tv is non non-essential stuff if you got rid of the non-essential stuff you'd have more time for the really important stuff that you love and makes you a better athlete or person or whatever the story about the dodgers um is that uh they they set all their franchise hitting records last year and um and in an article i read what they did was they did not double their time in the batting cage they cut it in half and as soon as you tell a major leaguer that he only gets 50 swings instead of 300 those 50 swings will be the best swings of his life and that's the type of mentality that we're trying to get at through essentialism uh you you can you can put that into almost anything you do um you know, would it be better? I'm, I'm just making stuff up here. Uh, would, would it be better to have a slice of cake than an entire cake? You know, which one would be better? A slice of cake is delicious, but the entire cake is, you know, you won't even appreciate it. So, you know, it's the whole less is more, do less, achieve more, uh, the disciplined pursuit of less, where we are not trying to outwork people. I don't say work smarter because to me, people say that. We're not trying to outwork people. We actually tell my team that we are going to get outworked by every track team in America. So what do we have to do in practice? And their eyes get great big and they say, we've got to really be intense and focused on everything we do. Now I got, you know, that that's what we do. Yeah. I liked what you said one time when you said that you spend more time thinking about how you can remove things than, <laughs> add things yeah uh, yeah it's, uh i do and and of course you can imagine how my coaching brothers uh you know out there think about that you know they they think oh my god this guy already practices 45 minutes and he wants to practice 30 <laughs> and but it was so crazy and this is this is something that at the age of 61, it makes me really feel good about things is that there are actually dozens of feed the cats football schools out there now that are actually looking for ways to have a shorter practice, to have more recovery built into their practice so that they can run faster when they do run a route, for example, um, that they're actually looking to take Saturday and Sunday off after a game so that they come back on Monday refreshed and ready to go. So all those things, um, it, it's, it's the whole idea of the disciplined pursuit of less. And I wish we could do that in the classroom too, but you know, we have to like, we have to fill 55 minutes at my school, 55 minutes has to be filled. And as soon as you start filling, you can imagine what that fill is. Yeah. It's a bunch of BS. Yeah. I know that some coaches would rather lose than get outworked. For sure. You've yeah. read too much of my stuff. I, you are yeah. totally, po you are totally poisoned by, <laughs> yeah. by, my, by my stuff. <laughs> you, you will, you will not fit in, in the athletic world ever, but uh, keep running fast and you'll be fine. But yes, I, I say that especially about football coaches. Um, 
many of the football coaches who read my propaganda and love it and they're like, coach, I, I am reborn, but what happens if I lose the fourth game? I go, well, if you lose the fourth game, you know the reason will be because you're not working them hard enough, right? He goes, I know, I might get fired. I go, I know, that's where you, you've got to fight through that. And so you can imagine if that coach is that fearful of having, you know, the dads, dads want to see their kids worked hard for some reason. I don't understand that, but, um, but even assistant coaches, like head coaches say, you know, if I put in this feed the cats mentality, the first time we lose, my coaching staff will mutiny on me. And you think about that, that means you would rather outwork people and lose than to be an essentialist and win. So it's, it's, it's out there. It definitely is. Yeah. It's about the results that you, it's your process has to match up with the results that you want, say on a Friday night football game or a track meet. You can't just be doing stuff to do stuff, but more is not better. Better is better. Yes. Uh, Eric Corum is, is a brilliant sports scientist. Um, uh, sports performance guy and and uh, and yeah, Eric is is just really you know, says so many things I love. But one of the things is that you you take your performance, let's say Friday night football game, and reverse engineer it. You say what things win in that football game, and and you know I would argue, you know execution, which includes simplicity. Uh, power, you know, which football teams do a great job with in the weight room and speed, which football, every football coach loves speed, loves speed. And then they, they don't do anything for it. <laughs> you know, they just, they work their guys hard and their players are slow on Friday night. And the team that wins on Friday night is the dumb team because it beats the dumber team. And it just happens over and over in football. Yeah. Simplicity is better for everything in life than complexity. Yes, as long as uh, you, you can't be simple and dumb. You know, yeah. I, I've heard people talk about simplicity is all that great. Uh, and, and, you know, they don't read books. And, they don't, you know, they don't, you know, listen to podcasts. Um, what, what's really important is to be, you know, like a, a somebody who reads everything. It sounds like somebody like what you do reads things and, and listens and then tries to boil it down into ways that, uh, that become simple, you know, and that's, that's football coaches have a hard time doing that because, you know, they're, they have real complex minds, you know, smartest people I know are football coaches. And, um, but the smartest of the smart are people that can take those complexities and coach it in simple ways so their kids can play fast. Right. You want to touch on dopamine a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. yeah dopamine. Um, you know, that, that's why, you know, you probably shouldn't go to Minnesota state. <laughs> because, sorry, but uh, dopamine is the reason why if you take the top hundred sprinters in America, high school sprinters, um, a, an alarmingly high percentage will come from four states, California, Texas, Georgia, and, and Florida. All four are big states, and all four have a lot of sunshine. Now, what a lot of people think is that the sunshine allows for more effective training. 
And there's no doubt that my friends in Southern California uh, can train in January, and it's better than our weather in May. There's no doubt that good weather helps training. But the thing that really helps is that dopamine, okay, sunshine, um, when it hits our skin, especially our torso, our torso and our eyes, if, if we can get sunshine, uh, it, the body converts it into vitamin D, which converts into dopamine. And dopamine does two incredible things for a sprinter. One is reckless confidence. Matter of fact, you know, if you have too much dopamine in your body, you might have a gambling problem because you are recklessly confident. But we both know that the great sprinters um, have a certain strut to them. They have, they have great confidence and dopamine helps that. The other thing is that dopamine helps us to move our arms and legs faster. And so it literally is a speed drug that comes from our body naturally. Uh, if, if you're not getting sunshine, the other important thing is sleep. I wrote an article about dopamine as well. There's other things you can do, but the two big things are sunshine and sleep. So if you're in Minnesota, you better be getting your eight hours of sleep every night. And dopamine is not the only internal chemical that's really important. Testosterone is really important. And that comes from a great night's sleep. And the third thing, oxytocin. Oxytocin, um, we actually hug before the four by four. I say, even if you don't like your teammates, I want you to hug because that hug, there is, a, there is a small amount of oxytocin that comes from human touch and from being loved and all those kind of things. And that oxytocin is actually a performance enhancer. So, you know, you hear about all these PEDs and stuff. We have some PEDs inside of us. We just need to learn how to release them. Yep. A few more uh, topics maybe, and then we'll wrap it up. But uh, just talk about the high performance culture that you've built there at Plainfield North? The, um, I actually started this in 99 and, and I'm proud to say that, you know, I, it, it worked great at a school of 500 kids and, and, you know, near Kentucky. And then it worked great, um, in, in Tennessee for two years. And now it's worked great at a brand new school. Uh, uh, 16 years ago, Plainfield North was a cornfield. It, there was nothing here. And so uh, I actually got to, oh, I was the first head coach at Plainfield North. And in those 21 years, our average best time in the four by one, I believe the four by one is, is the main metric of a sprint coach because anybody can have a great sprinter, um, you know, because there, there's so much natural ability that comes with that. But be consistent in the four by one, I think is really important. Our average best four by one. Average best for 21 years is 42.58. And that includes uh, 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 two state records. Uh, we broke a state record when I was in Harrisburg, Illinois in the four by one. And we broke the state record in 2018 uh, in 3A. And that's the biggest schools. Uh, we have just, we've had just unusual success in, in, but that it should happen because if that is your, singular focus. I always say, you know, if you chase two rabbits, you won't catch either one. Well, we don't chase two rabbits. We chase one. And that is maximum speed. How fast can your car go? You know, if, if we can have a full team of 23 mile an hour guys, nobody will ever beat us. Matter of fact, if we have eight guys that can run 23 miles an hour, 
23 miles an hour is 097 in the 10 meter fly, 097. If we have eight guys that can do that, big school, Illinois, you know, we're 2,300 kids, but their school is twice our size. Um, we will always be top three, maybe state champions with just eight sprinters. I could, I could cut my other 92 guys and go into track meets with just eight 23 mile an hour sprinters. And if, if that happens, I mean, obviously we don't do well in, you know, like conference meet cause we don't have enough guys, but in a state meet where PowerPoints are everything, um, those eight guys will dominate the three relays. They will be great in the hundred, the 200 and the 400. And probably one of them is going to be a hurdler and a couple of them are going to be jumpers. Speed is actually the key performance indicator for, for every event, 400 and less in Illinois, that's 12 of the 18 events. My thrower, my throws coach the other day, I, I said that speed is important for 12 of the 18 events. He goes, I've never seen a great thrower who wasn't fast. I'm like, well, maybe it's 14 events. And then my distance coach says, I've never seen a great 800 guy that wasn't fast. Well, gee, now that's 15 out of the 18 events where speed is the most important thing of a guy. So since we only chase that one rabbit and that one rabbit is speed, we get pretty good at it. And, you know, kids are happy and healthy. So like when we'd already had five weeks of our season, uh, indoor season, five weeks of our season when COVID hit and I have 37 sprinters on my team and we had an inner squad meet on the Saturday that we knew we'd probably never see each other again. All 37 guys competed in multiple events at top speed, top health, and as you know, track teams are kind of like walking wounded in many, you know, in many schools. You know, a lot of guys shin splints and got a bad foot, hamstring, you know, got this and that. And my guys are healthy. So because we put all of our energy in that direction, I think we get farther than most teams. Yeah. Before we kind of I let you go here, what's where can we buy your products at and the best place to go is trackfootballconsortium.com. That's a big word, I don't know. Trackfootballconsortium.com. And there's a, uh, a tab that says shop holler or holler. And I got my DVDs on there. Um, also on there, people who like to read, uh, there are 120 maybe articles now and probably 50 of them written by me. Uh, you can Google my name and most of my articles come up. I've done a lot of articles on Simply Faster. Matter of fact, the two most read articles of all times on Simply Faster, um, I wrote, uh, one was called uh, 10 Reasons to Join the Track Team. And another one was called Can Your Kid Sprint? About how little kids play soccer and baseball and football and all that stuff, but nobody ever teaches them to run fast. And, uh, and so... Anyway, you can do that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very accessible. People email me all the time and I love doing stuff like this. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I could probably talk to you all day. So <laughs> we should do that someday. That'd be fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Great, great time having you on here. So yeah, this is my first, I've done a ton of podcasts. 
especially over the quarantine. Um, but this is the first one I've ever done with an athlete and I really look forward to it. And I will, uh, I will be a, a Minnesota state's biggest fan next year. I can't wait to see how you do. Thanks. And don't, don't let, don't let Parno go char, uh, Clyde hard on you. Don't oh, let yeah. him do it. You make sure, make sure you teach him, you know, what kind yeah, of I'll, spinner you I'll are. I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> You'll be good. Thank you.